0: Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. And guys, today's guest is a little bit of a special treat. He's actually a psychotherapist. Had to go and look that up. Um, But he is a man who helps men become better by facing their demons so they can reach their full potential. He is also the host of the From the Ashes podcast. Please welcome to the show, Mark Azale. Mark, welcome. Hey. Yeah, happy to be here. Love thank you, thank you for coming on, man. It's uh, it's not every day that I get to talk to uh, to a psychotherapist. That's quite a a very niche profession you got there, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, I I think I work in um, Boulder, Colorado,
1: and I help a lot of guys with their issues, right? Right. And what's interesting is a lot of guys come for business problems, mm-hmm. um, a lot of them are small business owners, so I was attracted to your show. Yeah. And a lot of them are solo entrepreneurs, and it's wild because. I think as men, we can diagnose business problems a lot easier than we can diagnose personal problems.
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> that, That's the truth. That's the truth. Yeah. So look, before we like dig into this, um, just, yeah, yeah. just for, the, for the listeners that are just now discovering you, tell us real quick a little bit about who you are and what a psychotherapist actually does. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so my name is Mark yes. Azulay. I am in recovery
1: from drug and alcohol abuse. I've been sober for about 10 years. That's what turned me on to psychotherapy as a client. Oh, and essentially okay. what psychotherapy is, is it's doing deep work, emotional work around yourself, right? So um, part of it is learning kind of emotional intelligence, coping st- strategies, um, learning how to regulate your own emotions, learning mm-hmm. how to communicate clearly, you know, working on relationship problems, things like that. And then another part is going back to understanding your past, understanding, you know, how you became who you were, right? that be through your childhood conditioning, through cultural messaging, um, through traumas that some people have right so the idea is that you're combining both that present moment you know how to live better right
0: and past okay who am i how do i become who i want to be and who do i want to be moving forward right right so was this a career path that you had picked from the start or was this something that you really discovered in taking your own journey and curing your own alcoholism and your own drug use it was the second for
1: sure. So um, I actually I went to college and I studied uh, computer science. I you know thought I was going to be a programmer. Mm-hmm. As a kid, I really liked you know video games and and uh, media, special effects, things like that. I was that, like, yes, this is what I'm going to do. That's
0: what my kid wants to do, man. He's he's big into into the media and the video games and creating videos and stuff. I think it's great. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff out there now, um, and it's so accessible, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Um,
1: but for me. I ended up, you know, that coupled with, you know, my childhood, which had some difficulties coupled with, I got dumped by my first girlfriend ever my freshman year, mm. you know, and then I was doing a profession where, you know, the schooling was a lot of time alone in front of a computer, right? Yeah. A lot of time coding yeah. in like a basement, um, not having a lot of social connection. And I really just spiraled down.
0: Reading it, um, I think, you know, I think my social connections back then were forums and that was about the limit of it. You know, that was, that was all you had to, to try to learn on back in the day. Right yeah I was using forums and like AOL instant messenger and just yeah. like kind yeah. of just like
1: surfing the web but it wasn't it wasn't for me it wasn't healthy I know some people can right. get a lot of belonging out of that but for me it wasn't healthy and I turned to drugs now alcohol to kind of cope with the loneliness
0: so um, yeah yeah I I, mean, I was going to ask what went wrong but you you just kind of said it I mean do do you find that like loneliness is is the motivating factor in a lot of addictions because I was watching that video the other day about the the rat test on on the drugs and a a lot of evidence now is pointing towards environment and and being surrounded by people. Do do you think that had a factor in your recovery?
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, there's something in our industry that says, you know, the opposite of addiction is connection, right? Hmm. It's connection with other people. It's connection with yourself. It's connection with the world at large. It's, you know, being present, having a meaning, having a vision, and I think feeling belonging. Right, you know, um, when I didn't really have much to lose, I could really abuse my body and myself. Right, like I didn't, I, I wasn't connected to
0: anything. So, like, you know, for 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 long time listeners of the show, they'll know I've had uh, I've had alcohol issues in the past. I'm now almost six years sober, um, so, I, and I discuss my crash uh, quite openly because of you know because of the drinking culture in business. What was it like for you when? you hit rock bottom and you knew that, hey man, I, I gotta kind of get it together here. What, what was that process like for you and going through that? Yeah, so there's a hell of a story there. Um,
1: so essentially, and I'll make this quick, but you know, being a kid, I really didn't like myself, right? I didn't like the person I was, I was super nerdy, was bullied, picked on, et cetera, et cetera, I had no game with girls, nothing, right?
0: So <laughs> I went to college and I was like, all right,
1: I'm gonna be like, new and improved Mark Azoulay. I'm gonna be like the guy, right? right. And I did what, you know, a teenager boy thought was cool, right? Like I did a lot of drugs. I developed a kind of punk rock, you know, vibe. And I just kind of lied a lot about my past, you know? So especially when drugs knock come around, people are like, oh, hey, you want some blow? You want some, you know, um, take some acid? You want to do some mushrooms? I was like, oh, yeah, I've done that tons of times. Like I'm a cool guy, right? It was right, very right. much kind of classic peer pressure. Um, very long story short, that escalated with an overdose um, where actually ended up uh, taking heroin. which i thought was was opium and i was like oh i'm a gentleman of the orient i will smoke some opium um again just like not not being able to say no to anything because my masculinity was so insecure is i didn't want to be perceived as somebody that didn't have any experience right that's
0: crazy i i would have done the same thing if i'd gone to college you know and i never did go to college but i i could see how as a young impressionable man that it would be very very easy uh, to go off down that down that rabbit hole man i i really don't blame you i've got a lot of the yeah. same traits myself you know? yeah
1: i don't want anyone to like think i was a pussy or something right <laughs> or to think that like you know i didn't have experience or i wasn't right. cool. Or, you know i was building these like layers of lies that yeah any small crack could have brought the whole house of cards tumbling down yeah right? um so it just kept escalating 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 um the top was an overdose, which luckily my girlfriend at the time was the uh, RA at my college and they had Narcan, So she actually narcanned wow. me. Um, like at college. college. Yeah, at college, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like they have
0: like the you know, the syringe like boom, Yeah. Yeah. I seen out, uh, like... I seen pulp fiction. Pulp, pulp fiction right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they drew, drew on that. you in Red Sharpie and give you a target. To hit. Goodness <laughs> yeah. me. It's yeah, funny yeah, you're yeah. laughing about it now, but man, that must have been a real like awakening for you. What what was that like? like yeah um going into school the next day or seeing your girlfriend the next day was was that yeah. it for you? was that an underline there uh... that was well, that was it on the hard drugs I mean I, I you know
1: I guess smoke a weed I kept drinking for a while, but you know I think waking up um so I will you know take it back a little bit like I don't actually remember any of it if I'm being right. honest because right. I was so off my rocker that I wasn't really making memories but I did' wake up in a hospital and I was like, oh shit what the fuck yeah and the first thing that came to mind is like i hope they don't tell my parents which is like you know what a kid thinks um and then like it wasn't even like i'm so happy to be alive it was like i hope i don't get in trouble for this yeah my dad's gonna be so mad at me exactly like fuck Um, yeah so uh, but then, yeah, a- after that, you know, I had another really good friend that was like, hey, I'm seeing this counselor, I'm seeing this therapist um, at the school, our school had really good mental health services, which I really am grateful for. Like, hey, just, just go talk to him, you get 12 free sessions, you know, as a student, you know, you might as well just go talk to him and see what the deal is. And that started right. me um, as a client and started me kind of like climbing out of that hole.
0: Oh, wow. And so did that make you kind of reevaluate your education then, at that point?
1: Yeah, So so at that point, I was like, you know, this, you know, computer science thing is not really working out for me. The lifestyle isn't healthy for me. Right, I wasn't right. connecting with people. Um, so I moved into uh, neuroscience, actually, because in the school that I went to, the Department of Computer Science and Department of Neuroscience overlapped. So it was literally like, hey, I could start with psychology, but I would have to do five years. And I was right. like, I don't want to be here for five years. So give me yeah. whatever I can get credit for. Um, so I did, I did neuroscience, which is, you know, psychology and a little bit of computer science and more technical
0: Tell me the coolest thing that neuroscience ever taught you. Oh God, so much. I, I mean, I <laughs> I got really attracted. This is a whole
1: another wrinkle of my story, um, to like Buddhism and meditation. That was a big part of my recovery. Okay. And I was always blown away about how neuroscience confirmed a lot of what the ancient Buddhists were saying. Um, essentially the idea that, you know, we are not what we perceive, right? And the world out there is not real in a sense. It's kind of our mind making like a simulation, making like a matrix mm-hmm. version, right? I think we have this idea, like the cart is this idea of like, there's like a little person inside your head, behind your <laughs> eyes. That's like controlling like a robot version. Right, right. Um, that's not the case, right? Like we're taking in data and then we're generating like a hologram or something that we move through. Um, and just that looseness that, and how t- um, flexible reality and how flexible memory and things can
0: be blew my mind. That is, um, it, it is funny because it it all ties into the energy, and it ties into gratitude, and it ties into mindset, and yeah. and everything else. I, I know that's where you're the expert. I'd love to go off down that, um, love to go off down that tangent for a little bit, and uh, just yeah. it, it, explain to me what you mean by by this hologram. Then how does that work?
1: Yeah, so um, essentially, kind of what I was saying, right? Like the world that we are perceiving, it's not real in a Mm -hmm. way right it's kind of a projection of our mind making sense of a lot of different data and drawing lines recognizing patterns creating boundaries Um, and the mind is kind of lazy in some ways lazy is the wrong word it it conserves energy right so it takes a lot lot of shortcuts because biologically we don't want to be firing full blast because in the event of an emergency we need that energy so like any animal we conserve energy all the time so we make a lot of mental shortcuts Um, so that can look like on a very basic level is like the blind spot. I don't know if you've experienced that in your retina, where if you, you know, move your finger, there comes to be a point where you can't see your finger anymore. What? And your, yeah. Okay. And your brain is like literally filling in your visual field. It's like, yeah, that's like probably good enough. right? Like it just, <laughs> It's like kind of like smudging over like, okay, this spot, like we can kind of guess what's going on over here. I like right? that. Um, yeah. Or, or, or like with memories, right? Like if you look at a, a, in the moment, present action, there's tons of different data streams. There's how you're feeling. There's what you're seeing. There's where your body is. If you were hungry or how hot and cold joy, there's like so much information. But when you go back to a memory, it's like very simplified, right? It's like, oh, I had a good day, right? Like we tend to squash down everything and make a lot of shortcuts. Mm-hmm. Um, where this kind of comes into the topic of, of your show, right? And small business and leadership is that if we have a view of, a, of the world, if we have a mindset, right? We can start to change what we perceive truly based on what our mindset is. Like, we will not remember
0: things that are contrary to our belief system. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. See, I tell people all the time to focus on the path and not on the trees around the path. You know, you get what you focus on. Like, I I say that a lot. You engineer your own reality by the things that you think of and Mm -hmm. by the things that you create, you know? So... Yeah. Now let's yeah. Uh, let's get on to the topic of small business because okay. uh, you you help small business owners. You see them quite a uh, quite a lot in your in your client base. So <clears throat> tell us first off, Mark, what it is that a psychotherapist can help small business owners to overcome. Yeah. So this is great, right? And this <laughs> the, the way I tell my guys this is like, look, everybody has had a bad
1: boss, right? And nobody admits that they are one. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the thing is like, as a small business owner, especially if you're working with a small team, call it like under 15, mm-hmm. there's likely going to be parts of your past that are going to bleed into your leadership style. Right. right? For sure. Yeah. For sure. That's just part of being a human, right? We're right. all imperfect. So it could be things like assumptions made about different types of people. Mm-hmm. It could be a personal insecurity. It could be a personal flaw or weakness. So for instance, you know, a lot of my guys I work with, I work with a lot of people in the tech field. Um, they are conflict avoidant because, you know, lovingly they're nerds, right? Like I'm also a nerd, right? right, right. The conflict avoidant, they don't know really how to give negative feedback. They kind of fall into this nice guy category <laughs> in their lives. So as a leader and a small business owner, they're doing the same thing, right? They struggle giving negative feedback to their employees. They struggle, they struggle with firing people. Right. They struggle with if they have a nasty client, like letting that client go or telling giving that client a referral. And it's all... Personal, Right. Because especially a small business, if you don't have the giant infrastructure of like a corporation, it can be a
0: lot more personal. Oh, yeah. And I think it's the same for all small business owners. You know, I yeah. don't think there's any uh, any secrets there in that it's uh, it's hard work for for us all. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and so a psychotherapist can help you
1: to kind of iron out that personal piece. Mm-hmm. Right. And understand where those triggers might be. Right. Um, you know, for instance, if you were a, someone who was bullied a lot as a kid growing up, if some of a, if you perceive that in a meeting that your employees are ganging up on you, maybe they're all giving you feedback about some new product you launched that, you know, is not that great. You can get defensive. You might get angry. You might yell and you might cause a whole commotion. Right. 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 Um, that would be good time to see a psychotherapist. Right. There's a great another great little whippy saying in our field, which is if it's hysterical, it's historical. And what that means is like if you're having like a big hysterical reaction to something that like probably isn't that big a deal, right? Mm-hmm. It's hitting on some past trauma or some past hurt. And if those keep happening, it's a good time to seek out psychotherapy because you, you need to do some of that personal work and understand like, okay, why am I getting so triggered every time, you know, X, Y, and Z happens?
0: So what do you find the, the most common ground for for a good starting point for for a small business owner would be because like i'm i'm sure there's guys listening to the show that would would maybe like to you know experiment a little bit with this and and try and benefit from it some yeah so i would just
1: look for a psychotherapist in private practice um there's a great website called psychology today which is a directory um, that is in the united states and canada they can go and search in their area with their zip code and find somebody um, and I would specifically look for somebody who has either had past experience in business mm-hmm. um, or who has owned their own psychotherapy business, right? Somebody right, who's done right. it, maybe someone who's worked at a nonprofit, mm-hmm. right? Um, who's done some sort of team leadership. Um, because I do think that there is something that you only can learn by doing it and being in that leadership role. Um, you know, it's one thing to have good theory and to like read a lot of books. And I think to actually start a business, right? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> you no know? doubt. Um, most private practice people have barely started their private practice, right? They've started a solo, they're solo entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people like me, like I've run multiple nonprofits. I have employees, I'm, I have a bigger organization. So I have more experience with that, but right, I think right. finding someone that's similar would be a good place to start and just talk about, Hey, I notice I have this like kind of hysterical reaction when so-and-so comes up, like, could you help me with that? What do you think about that? Um, common topics are like, you know, like I said, being conflict avoidant, mm-hmm. um, trouble taking in feedback uh you know noticing that you might have favoritism between certain employees or certain types of employees you know um any times where you might have fear public speaking is a really common one right Um, right anxiety procrastination
0: perfectionism things like this all things are really good would be great to reach out to a psychotherapist around no no kidding i've been meaning to reach out to somebody about my procrastination i can just never seem to uh, to find the time um (laughs) sorry i had to uh so (laughs) that's good (laughs) What do you think, man? Like, because a lot of guys are, especially small business owners, a lot of them are, are, are blue collar backgrounds, and they they kind of carry a chip on their shoulder about. Look, I don't want to get involved in this mindset thing. It's it's a bit, little bit hippie. I don't I don't want to mess with it, and you know I've found it. Immensely rewarding to get into uh, into the mindset and to get into the psychology of, of of why I do what I do. So I wanted to ask you, you know, what are some of the biggest misconceptions about your industry that you find that clients have, and how do you help to dispel those misconceptions?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think, yeah, I can go off on this for a while. I think the go big ahead. one right, <laughs> is, yeah. that, is that yeah, um, that psychotherapy is for crazy people like drug addicts. Right, right that's probably like the first one.
0: But we're taught that like. Right? Mm-hmm. If you have to go to a psychotherapist, there must be something wrong with your head. You know that's like the- deeply wrong with
1: you. Like you're mm-hmm. a psychopath
0: or something. Right, right. right. Yeah, that's. I mean, that, that's kind of that's where it's at in popular culture. Mm-hmm. You know. So how do you overcome that and and kind of dispel those myths?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's changing a little in popular culture. Like if you look at um, the Sopranos, right? Tony Soprano had a psychologist, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the the show billions. There's a psychotherapist in that, right. That like is the therapist to like these like mega billionaires. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes. And people think that it's like mental health, asylum banging on the walls. One flies over the cuckoo's nest type of thing. Um, And you know what? That's our fault. That's psychotherapist's fault. I think psychotherapists in general are really bad at marketing. Right. Yeah. I think we're really bad at marketing. I think we tend to be very empathic, introverted people. Mm-hmm.
0: And we're not doing stuff like I'm doing right now, like getting on a podcast no, and talking no about absolutely. it. But I don't know that that's just psychotherapists. That's, that tends to be a lot of white-collar professionals. I mean, I do help, I do help them fix their market. And I know you, you have a setup where you teach other uh, professionals as well. But I, I think that's, that's definitely a, a, a solo or small practice uh, white-collar problem. Uh, more than anything is is how they're marketing their business and how they're they're approaching right. their audiences. Right. They they don't do it and I, and I think they work they work so hard that it's hard to get out there
1: and think that marketing is important. But then those narratives don't they don't kind of update right right. right. And you look at you know kind of like the cousin field of psychotherapy which is coaching mm-hmm. right and coaches are phenomenal marketers they're they're doing everything right like they're out there. I mean we try
0: podcasts yeah, yeah
1: right this, which this is great important. yeah. It's the point, right? Like it, you're helping people, right? Mm-hmm. And like coaches are phenomenal marketers, and I think psychotherapists have a lot to learn from coaches. But you kind of blend the two, don't you? So, I do,
0: yeah, because I'm interested in being successful. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, what are some of the things that you do um, to in in your marketing to not only you know get new clients, but also keep the old ones and, and retain them? What are some things you do as a small business owner?
1: Yeah, so a couple of things, right? So, I mean, you mentioned my website a little bit. It's like, I market specifically to men because mm-hmm. that's really what I know and, and work with. Right, right, um, for sure. My website doesn't look like, for those of you, mark-dash-dashley.com or soon to be therapy.online will be the website. Um, but it doesn't look like a psychotherapist website. It has like a pictures of demons on it. It has like psychedelic art on it. It has like Dungeons & Dragons heavy metal vibes to it. Um, it's very different from a typical therapist website which is like you know calm trees and a nice lake and a you know clouds over mountains right
0: all right um, so <laughs> i just pulled up your website and uh, it's on it's on the screen right now wait what is the deal with the the pig emerging from a neck that looks like the inside of a pomegranate what what's going on with that picture <laughs>
1: yeah so so when i have that picture right like it's a guy staring in a mirror and his reflection is just like some crazy disgusting shit right yeah. and the idea is that some of my clients really feel like that right they look themselves in the mirror and there's so much like darkness and corruption no and like weirdness that comes out of them that they feel like they have to button up every day when they go to work right Dude, i
0: just look and i wonder where the gray hair's coming from but i don't see any of that other stuff wow that's crazy <laughs> tell, tell me about that like like, there's entrepreneurs with that going on in their head, man. How, how do you help yeah. with that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, okay, uh, here's a common thing I see from entrepreneurs. I'm actually curious what, what you think about this or if you see this in, in your work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, entrepreneurs, again, I work a lot in tech and this is where my experience is, is that right. a lot of them are lonely, part of a lonely childhood yeah. and they create a business in order to make friends, right? They oh. create a business in order to feel that belonging in themselves and maybe to feel important, you know, they like being the CEO because they get to be on stage. They like having employees because they kind of think that they're their friends, but there's like a level of control that they have over their employee. Wow. Right? There's often this kind of darker thing. And it's not all bad. I mean, people start business for a variety of reasons. It's not all altruistic. In fact, most aren't. And that's okay. Um, but there's this idea of like, they want to feel like they belong. They want to feel powerful. They want to feel like they are on the top of the world. But then when they, when they look at themselves in the mirror, sometimes they feel very weak you know, or they feel like they're an imposter or wow. they feel like they don't belong or they shouldn't be on stage or they shouldn't have just raised $3 million, right? They're like, oh shit, I maybe I am unlovable. Maybe I am just scamming everybody. Maybe, maybe? you know, this product isn't going to work, right? There's like this doubt um, and guilt and regret, that I think can seep into a lot of people in the startup space. And because the startup space is kind of relentlessly positive, yeah, um, there's not a lot of place to talk about being insecure because it's relatively positive and should also say like ruthlessly cutthroat right like if you display weakness someone could tell that to one of your investors Mm -hmm. right and then boom your funding is gone right like if you have a breakdown at one of these big events you could become the laughing stock of a whole sector
0: right um and i imagine similarly for like that that's like i don't know man i think that that's it that's definitely in the head that's definitely there that. i you know you could have a breakdown at an event i don't think you would be a laughing stock i think that that everybody and and i speak for my own uh, profession and, and not for not for others but like everybody in this profession if we saw somebody have a breakdown i'm pretty sure we'd all go gather around him and make sure he was okay um, because not that all of us have had breakdowns, but we've certainly all felt one coming, you know. We certainly know what they mean like. And I, I would like to believe that if, if somebody from within my industry that was a, a known speaker or podcaster had a breakdown at an event, it, it wouldn't be the end of their career. I don't know. Just, I think there's more support out there nowadays and, and more willingness to, to accept failure as part of a process of growth and part of a journey yeah
1: i I agree I, I think that's a lot to do with you know shows like this i think a lot to do with kind of how mental health is taking a forefront mm-hmm. um i mean i think i'm speaking to the fear and the pressure that these guys feel yeah right that like any yeah. misstep could be
0: the end of everything
1: right oh it they sucks man well, like I mean, yeah.
0: yeah and the missteps you take are like six and seven figure mistakes <laughs> like it's right. not <laughs> right <laughs> it, yeah but like if you're scared to go in the arena, you you shouldn't be in there. You know the price. You know the price of entry. You know what the ticket costs, and it's like everything up until it, it pays you back. I mean, that's just how it works, man. I uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm interested as to how you like how you help these guys make the change. And th- one of the reasons I ask is because you know a little bit earlier today I was I was hit up, and it, it was a question about hey, I really want to help one of my employees I, I love him but he's an alcoholic and you've gone sober and you know what do you what do I do and and with me when we when we approach that kind of problem it's always with like where's the mission where's the passion what are you focusing on what do you want to create what do you want to become and I wanted to ask you because you're an absolute expert how do you help people get started out with sobriety and and making that first step from the rock bottom that we've both been at how do you help people to to move forward there yeah so with the addiction work a lot of it the first step is just opening your eyes
1: and becoming aware of what your addiction has covered up right Mm -hmm. um and it could be something as dramatic as losing your job something as dramatic i mean whatever that rock bottom is right losing a relationship with divorce um or maybe it's more subtle it could be something like hey i don't really Feel much of anything, right? I really don't really care about anything, or I'm not really interested in stuff. Or you know, the things I used to care about when I was younger, they just all kind of faded away. Mm-hmm. Or you know, I get into more fights than I would want. Or I feel like the world is against me. There's a lot of victim mentality. I think that can often be with uh, early addiction as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's the first thing is opening up, you know, the client's eyes, and that's the hardest step. Because the addiction exists for a reason, right? Like people, I don't think people are inherently bad. I don't think people are inherently evil. I don't think drugs and alcohol are inherently bad or evil. Right. I think that people self-medicate, right? They use it to kind of put those blinders on and oh, them yeah. away from the pain of their life, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're asking them, hey, give up drinking, what you're really yeah. asking is open your eyes up to all this pain. Mm. <laughs> and that's... Yeah. A lot harder right give up drinking can be positive open your eyes up to pain can be really terrifying mm-hmm. for a lot of people
0: yeah i'm but you know without ever looking at that pain and analyzing it you can't fix it like mm-hmm. without an x-ray you can't fix a broken leg you know right so how do you encourage people to take that first step because it is such a huge taboo to come to talk to a mental health specialist yeah, I mean, I think being really public about my story is a big part to be like, look, man, I've been there.
1: I get it. Here's some nasty shit that I did in my past that like, and look, I'm a, I'm a relatively normal person,
0: you know? I, um, I'm not sure now. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, I'm starting, um, to, starting to worry. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of the AA model, right?
1: It's like, hey, like share your own stuff to make it safe for other people. Right, right, for um, sure. I think it's also, is always trying to seek understanding and not being judgmental. Mm. So like I just said earlier of like, hey, I don't think, you know, you know, magical client out there, right? Like, I don't think you're a bad person. I don't think that there's anything wrong with you. I really want to understand how you became who you were. And, you know, for a lot of people, including myself, like we were never really asked that, right? Like right. we never really had somebody that was truly interested in knowing who we were before like slapping a judgment on or giving us some unsolicited advice or telling us how things should be done or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Um, so psychotherapy yeah. is like a very non-judgmental, curiosity-oriented uh place mm-hmm. right or like my job isn't really to fix you i mean i do because i think i'm good at it but <laughs> like the, the job is really for me to get to know you and by me getting to know you you get to know yourself and that is kind of what fixes you you know um, the, the healing is
0: internal all right so like with the stigma now then of, of psychotherapy like regressing with it becoming more and more acceptable to uh to, to undertake this course of action What are some ways like an employer can help their employees? Like if I'm in a a small business owner and I see my employees like struggling, what are some ways I can connect with them?
1: Yeah, so there's there's two things I'm going to say, right? There's like kind of like a a nice and a harsh way. I think they're both helpful. (laughs) I think you need both a little bit. Um, So the nice thing is as an employer, if it's part of your benefits, is to encourage them to use our mental health benefits. Um, There's great resources out there. There's stuff in the Southwest called Open Path. Uh, Collective, which is therapists that are all under thirty five dollars, that are are affordable for something for an employer to pay for. There's um, programs called EAPs, which are employee assistance programs Mm -hmm. that offer small small business deals that you can get. So if you want to be mental health focused as a company, put it in your policy, right? Like (laughs) add it to a benefit you can you can give to somebody. Um, Yeah, and I think also. Oh
0: God, yes. No, I mean it's just like. It's not something that you really pay much attention to when you're starting out, um, especially the guys coming from a blue-collar background. Is is the mental health uh, of your employees? But um, yeah, I can attest to the fact that having your employees in outstanding mental condition helps your business. Um, helps your business overall. Um, I wanted to ask, you know, how you help business owners and employees handle stress handle the stress of being that small independent operator that that maybe has to sometimes float between paychecks what are some things you do to help your clients handle that stress yeah so the biggest
1: thing i do with that is run groups so i run men's groups almost Mm. all the men in my groups are business owners of some capacity and i think they're almost all leaders right um so all that to say is that what i'm doing is i'm facilitating the groups Mm -hmm. but what they're doing is they're helping each other because like we were saying earlier in the show right like being a business owner being a leader you can't quite get it unless you've done it right yeah
0: Yeah. you know and
1: for some (laughs) of the blue collar guys out there i work with blue collar workers too and they really like military metaphors so do i right it's it's almost like going to war right right? yeah i mean going to war is you know, more serious, right? But there is this idea of <laughs> but it's, like
0: it's the name. That's the name of my 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 buddy's small business uh coaching group. Like go to war. That that's the name of his group. You know. Yeah. So I I get it. Yeah, there is like a veteran quality, right? Like,
1: mm-hmm. and if you don't get it, you don't get it. And you were talking a little bit about being on in the arena. Yeah. Right. And I use that metaphor with my guys all the time. Right. Like it's like it's always honorable to be in the arena versus being in the state in the stands. Right. Yeah. And I think someone who's been in the arena can recognize someone else and be like, you know what. I get you, right? Because you're you're out there fighting the good fight. You're not just like critiquing from the sidelines. Oh yeah, right. You're actually doing the real work. Yeah, um, and I think talking with other people, other leaders that do that and are willing to be vulnerable about the stress, right? About the pressure, about their failures, right? Like fell forward, all that stuff that's you know being popularized in startup culture. That is critical. Because it helps you feel less alone, and you might get some good advice, dude. Right? It
0: seems it seems like it's easier to succeed these days. Um, yeah. Because the news of how to do it is easier to spread. Um, mm-hmm. Back when I was coming up, you had to learn all this shit at the library, or sending <laughs> off of sending off of pamphlets out the back of newspapers and stuff to like, you know, you didn't know if you were going to learn something or get scammed or whatever. What, what I love <laughs> right now is is how. Like, because like, I, I feel as I'm probably just a couple of years older than you, and then there's guys under you, and it's like the entire culture has shifted towards, holy shit, we figured this out, and we can help other people figure it out. And, and you know, when you look at the employment data and you say, you know, there's all these jobs that, that nobody will go and work at you've got to really give it up for the small business owners that are the ones that are adapting to this new world and going and making money on the internet man are are you Mm -hmm, seeing a mm -hmm. shift like that yeah i love it i mean i (laughs) am
1: a big youtube fan i love how accessible content can be Mm -hmm. you know i've gotten into my own podcast i've done some of my own video production i love how like you can go and learn that stuff online right and I think one of the major, well, there's a couple of things, right? But the, um, that I'm thinking about. I think one of the major things that makes a successful small business owner is the willingness to learn. That's oh, big, Absolutely. Yeah. Right. That's big. It's like you got to be willing to like, kind of do a little bit of everything and mm-hmm. then also like get punched in the teeth and then get back in there and be like, okay, I don't know what this is. Let yeah. me learn about it mm-hmm. um, and kind of put your ego on the side and be like, oh, well, I don't know about this, but I, but I can. Right. 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 And a quick Google or YouTube search, like, will get you there, right? Or, or platforms like Udemy or Teachable or oh, man, all these I, online universities are I so powerful Udemy now. I use
0: all the time. I use yeah. that all the time. I, I love it there. And uh, I get to, you can yep. get in-depth, detailed courses on the things that you're trying to learn. And then you go yeah. learn them and, and, and implement them, and, and shit just works, man. And I just love yeah. that we've got we've got access to this level of information that we can do stuff and, and, and build stuff like that. And I love how the the marketplace is changing to, to really support small business owners yeah, over uh, people having corporate jobs, which is not necessarily a bad thing, you know? Um, what do you see... What do you see the future of small business evolving towards as we go through the next you know, five to 10 years, especially with the uh, the advent of all the new AI that's coming out? What do you see the future of a small business owners being?
1: Yeah, yeah. So there's a really great book um, by Kevin Kelly called The Inevitable, mm-hmm. which is about like future, he's a futurist and he talks about these like incredible things. And he has this idea, which I, I see happening, um, which is the idea of the middle class or the the middle class of business disappearing. What I mean by that actually is like big box stores, right? Mm. So like what wins down the line is either massive conglomerations like your Amazons, Mm -hmm. right? Just like do everything, right? And do it cheaply and do it well, right? Um, And where small business fits in is the niche concierge luxury service, Mm -hmm. right? And there's something... That I think we talked about the technology, right? With YouTube, how powerful that can be, right? Like, so I'm I'm a big nerd. I'm into a right. bunch of niche hobbies. I paint models. I like you know make miniatures. I do all kinds of stuff. Right? I saw
0: your I saw your cat checking out your model making materials yeah. behind you. There, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I got the monster right behind me. Got the yeah. cat working around, right? Yeah, yeah. So like, okay, so I do this hobby it's called Warhammer, right?
0: Right. right No,
1: on. you are a fucking right? nerd. Good job. <laughs> oh, oh, deep, I, right? I love it. I love it. Yeah, but. For me, that, that's a niche hobby. Yeah. It's not going to be on the main cable networks, but I can find Warhammer content creators on YouTube mm-hmm. that are making bank, that are sponsored, that are able, that are selling products. Some of them are making their own paints. Some of them are making their own brushes. Some of them are making their own models. Right. And these are people that have really tapped into a niche market mm-hmm. and are servicing it at a very high level, yeah. right? They're yeah. so providing the type of really specific content that me as a gamer nerd wants to see, right? Right. And I think with small businesses, like that niche personalized service Mm -hmm. is really powerful because you may not have had the audience in your local environment, but now that you have the internet, Mm -hmm. right? You can find that niche audience by going out there and really, really trying to be special. Yes, Right. yes. Like I I think the one size fits all thing is starting to fade. Uh, People are really connecting to strong personalities and really, really specialized content.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. The the only other thing I, I would maybe even add to that is I see a distinct possibility of brick-and-mortar retail starting to push back and mm-hmm. people missing the customer experience and people missing an interaction with somebody outside of the home because as amazing and convenient as it is to get a package, a little brown box from Amazon, show up with your shit it removes you from going to the supplement store and talking to a supplement expert and getting their recommendations it removes you from going to the model shop and seeing the latest paints and seeing the latest little models that have come out and i don't wonder if as we've swung so far to major conglomerates and convenience, I think we might start to swing back to some local and some experiential type businesses where people can actually go and touch and feel again and, and start to be normal again. I don't know. You see that or no? Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, that, that word you just say experiential, that's the thing, right? <laughs> I think, you know, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, talks about this and he talks about this idea that businesses need to pivot and they need to sell experiences, not products, Dude. right? Yeah, and that's I- that's the thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm fully in support of what you're saying. I, I think that is what we need to do. I should probably listen to that guy more. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Yeah, but but he, yeah. Yeah, he talks about, yeah, like we're selling experiences. Like you said, you're selling that that expert that's accessible, that works at your store, that can give people
0: advice on the supplements that they want, right? You're selling yeah. the, the tactile thing, you know. I can um, still remember how the model shop smells. Like I mm-hmm. wanna I wanna experience that as I'm picking out which slot cars that I'm gonna make. Like, yes. I, you know, I want to be able to touch it. I want to be able to go, huh, I don't like that part, but I do like that part. And mm-hmm. as convenient as shopping online is, I think we, we might see a swing of this pendulum back to, to more service-based, experience-based kind of retail. Yeah. And I think I would add to that community based retail Mm -hmm.
1: is I think, especially when you look at hobby shops, whether it be a model shop or a bookstore or a knitting shop or pottery, right? Things where it's like, okay, this is, and this is a stretch for a small business owner, right? Of like, okay, you're not just selling supplies for your thing. You're hosting events, right? You're having like a book club Mm -hmm. at your house, at your your house, at your place of business, right? Yeah. having like a, a you know gaming tournament or you are having you know a, a fly te- a fly fishing testing mm-hmm. night demo night right yep. you're instructing
0: people on in wilderness first aid it's all the like, Colorado stuff yeah, kind of you're do, becoming, right? so like you're becoming the authority in your space yeah not just yeah. a small business owner you're becoming a solution provider for people that are interested in what it is that you, that you supply mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's why um, we do, I've, I've got a group with about 1,900 small business owners in, and we do two monthly events, and they come to the events, and it's great, yep. you know? Um, and so, like, by building that community of 1,900 people, now the small business surgeon is a recognized, you know, authority consulting brand within that community. That was the whole point, you know? Yep. And that's the that's really the byproduct of setting up a group to serve business owners and help them to avoid the shit that I'd gone through. And that's exactly what you've done with the psychotherapy is to serve people and to stop them going through what what you went through. Absolutely. Yeah. And and the community is like that extra glue, right?
1: Because, Mm -hmm. you know, like I know your content and my content is phenomenal and people come for us, but they also come for each other Mm -hmm. and that's critical, right? It's like, yeah, because those connections exist outside the business and like, you know, this is a little flower, but it's how I talk about, you know, the communities that I'm building of, for me, my business is is successful is if these guys in these men's groups are at each other's funerals. Right. 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 Like if it becomes a real meaningful connection beyond the service that I offer, right. Mm -hmm. These people truly become lifelong friends, comrades, and brothers, and that they're, they're there right they show up for each other throughout life and i'm sure with your events and your community like that's an incredible side effect it's like
0: yeah they learn about their small business but they also make friends <laughs> you like know that's, that's the plan yeah i hope yeah. so we, we do like speed dating networking we, i make everybody move yeah. every five minutes and change tables and wear name badges and shit just so that like no. you can make friends and you know it's the power of the network it's the power of that group yeah. and what they're going to do for each other and you know how they're going to keep each other moving forward because like, there's been times as a business owner where I've, I've really needed to talk to somebody that actually understood what it felt like to lose seven figures. Like, yes. there's not many people you can go and look up in the yellow pages and get a hold of that have been through that, you know. Yeah. And so I think that the mental health thing and the, the psychology thing for business owners is, is paramount in, uh, in building a healthy, successful company. Yeah,
1: I think it's critical, right? And I think for owners that are on the fence, you know, again, military metaphors, right? Like morale, right? Like this, Mm -hmm. we're talking about morale, really, like morale is the most important thing in any workforce. If you have low morale, you're going to have employees that are going to start gossiping. They're going to start slacking off. They're going to start,
0: like, they might be more accident or injury prone if they're doing physical labor. Like How, like, how, do, you, like, how do you improve morale, though? Because, like, I just like to beat my staff until their mood improves. <laughs> exactly, like the old, the old pirate yeah, strategy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah So what are some things you can do to increase morale around the office? Yeah, I think the main thing is just care. Right. I
1: mean, it's kind of tripe, but I think it's very powerful. Is like care about your employees, be genuinely interested in them. Not like mm-hmm. Dale Carnegie shit of like, you know, smile and shake hands, but like <laughs> actually know about them, find something that you can connect on. You don't have to be their friends. In fact, it's kind of inappropriate to be. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Care about their well-being. You know, if they come in and one day like they're stinking drunk, right? Your impulse might be to yell at them, but ask be like, hey man, like what what happened? Right? Like lead with curiosity. I think mm. can be so powerful, right? If someone's showing up late, first ask them what's going on at home before you give them a demerit, right? Um, try to understand a little bit more of the psychology of your employees, right? And the ones that are open to it and respond to it will be loyal for life, mm. right? The ones yeah. that are not are probably going to get fired anyway,
0: right? <laughs> uh, you know,
1: Everyone um, gets fired eventually, right? Yeah, you know, but but it's like, it's by giving people that, personal investment whether it be to you as the boss whether it be to their you know co-workers whether it be to the mission of your company mm-hmm. right but like having people buy in and i think especially when you look at you know the millennial workforce and you look at the emerging generation z workforce like we are emotional creatures way more oh, yeah. than the older yeah, generation definitely and like we need to care and we need to feel like we're cared about or else we will leave we will 100% yeah. leave and start a YouTube channel. Right?
0: There's definitely a there's definitely a um a, a like misalignment between the generations yeah. of 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 red foreman and putting a foot in your ass to I need to be emotionally connected to what I do. But uh, there's a very good book that bridges that. Uh, it's called The Dream Manager, and I can't remember who it's by, uh, but it's about talking to your employees about their goals and about their dreams and helping them to accomplish their dreams. And the byproduct of that is they will work with you to accomplish your dreams. And um, I think it was Zig Ziglar that that, that paraphrased that, but I would probably butcher the quote. (laughs) Yeah,
1: well, I mean, something that I work with, again, I I work with guys almost exclusively. So for female listeners, I apologize, but it's not my area of expertise, although I think there's something similar. But for guys, I will say (laughs) there's a call here to like, if you are a small business owner, you're also kind of a father, Yes, right? You're yes. kind of a father to all your employees,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And they're in this role where they are looking to you. You are a sense of emotional connection. You can be a sense of emotional safety for them. Mm-hmm. You can be a real role model for them. Like it's more than just, okay, do your job. I, I think right, especially right. with the younger workplace, it's it's more about like, you have the ability, should you wanna take it, to be a really powerful force in your employee's life right like they may always remember you as a great boss or as somebody who believed in them who invested them even if that means you helping them get a different job right right? i mean that
0: that that tends to be what happens though um because most most of the employees that, that that i that i mentor that come and they stay and they they learn and they grow their dream job isn't working for me Because Mm -hmm. I'm looking for people like me to mentor. So most people's dream jobs is running their own thing. And so I'll keep staff at longest, you know, three years or so. And by the time they've been with me that long, they see what's going on. I I love to push them out the nest. I hate to lose them. But, you know, when when one of your employees gets offered his dream job, what are you supposed to do? You've got to encourage that. You've got to encourage their growth and further their mission, you know. And you'd be grateful for the, the time that they contributed to your mission. You know, but my job is, is is not to conscript people to work for me. It's to mentor people to work with me to further my goals, to further their goals. You know, absolutely right. And and I'm
1: sure, you know, I've had this experience for you have where, those people pay you back ten times, right? Mm-hmm. They pay you back with referrals. They become wonderful colleagues, right? They become mentors of their own. They might yeah. send you new employees down the line, right? It's like, uh, yeah. I mean, and it's, I think that's a very mentally healthy way to look at things, right? Of like you're investing now for gain later, rather than maybe a more egocentric thing of like control and dominate, right? Well, of like just lock them down and keep
0: them there. That's yeah, it, it just doesn't work, right? As I as I got older and got yeah. better versed in management like they are trading their life for time working on my mission Mm -hmm. so as long as i can align what they're working on to advance their mission then we've got a great match i want them advancing their mission when they're coming to work for me and the the biggest part of that is is being able to mentor these guys and then push them out into the world and saying off you go you've done a great job but you're not designed to be a production assistant forever you're designed to run your own company you're designed to you know go off and do your own thing and that's that's what happens you know it's great it's so. great it's great
1: and and there's like a sense of reward it's like a human to human reward of like man i like i launched this baby bird and now he's flying you know yeah, then, like, yeah, then you gotta go exciting. get another one
0: you know yeah. like yeah. get somebody else to be your shadow for a little bit it's it's kind of fun but um yeah the the ultimate reward of of being uh, an entrepreneur is seeing the people that you nurture and you mentor is seeing them succeed on their own. And it's great Uh, for me. It's just a part of a cycle. So I I quite enjoy it. Um, Mark damn, we are running up on time, mate. Um, I've got a couple more questions to ask you. One that I ask everybody that watches the show. Um, you know, the small business surgeons about ultimately about success through failure and the stuff we got wrong and the lessons we've learned to get to the places we're, we're at. And uh, we, we end up talking to a lot of people that are five or even ten years behind us in the life of their business and business experience. So if you could go back to ten years ago and talk to Mark, what's one piece of advice that you'd want to give yourself uh, that, that's helped you along the way? Yeah, that's a great one. Um, I'd say, like, chill out. It's going to be okay. <laughs> right yeah i mean i'd give that to everybody yeah
1: yeah i mean but i'll elaborate down a little bit right is that like early in my career and i don't know if i could have done it differently uh but i ran really hot i ran on a lot of anger i ran on a lot of like i'll show you i'll prove you wrong i ran on a lot <laughs> yeah. of like i'm gonna be different yeah. i'm gonna be better mm-hmm. there was a lot of grandiosity I think, and... I think
0: a lot of guys
1: run on that when they're young for don't sure. they
0: just for you know, sure testosterone and aspirations yeah. yeah, and just like yeah. rage
1: against the machine, right? Yeah, and like absolutely. I mean, that that got me where I was, and I don't regret it. What I do regret is that it bled over into my life a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. I think there was a, a period of my life where I wasn't forming strong relationships, where I wasn't caring a lot about other people. I wasn't really dating. And if I was, I was kind of an asshole. I mean, now I'm great. Now I've like a lovely partner, everything's fine. But like back then I would have I would have wanted to temper that a little bit. Um, but there was this like survival fight and flight. You know, go to war, prove yourself. Right. Um, right. Like you gotta be better. Like a lot of this stuff that I think from the content I was consuming, that was a lot of the messaging. Um, and I wish I had a little bit more
0: emotionally intelligent messaging back then. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. The older I get, the more I'm able to find that balance. Yes. Um, because I do enjoy consuming this go to war content and fight yeah. everybody and be the best you be the best, you know, but um I almost almost slipped up there because like I think the the one thing that content misses is you don't have to be the best at everything you have to be the best version of you possible and I think that's where sometimes it gets off track but um, like you can focus on being the best version of you possible then you don't have to be the best at everything just be the best version of you yeah yeah
1: and you don't have to be the best at other people's expense I think that's what No it, for me no. I personally crossed the line of mm-hmm. like putting others down or thinking i was superior to other people in some way like that that's what i would want to change is like keep the self-improvement keep the fight keep all that but like don't be such a dick about it Did but you, can't, you can't you know? buy
0: empathy though you can't buy empathy yeah. like yeah. Un- unfortunately like you have to be a dick And then evolve past that Mm -hmm. and part of being a dick is realizing you're being a dick and then evolving through that and you never realize it until it's too late and then you're like well shit I guess I was kind of a dick but it was never intentional (laughs) right so yeah I think I think the hardest thing to learn and something that cannot be bought is learning the skill of empathy Mm -hmm. Um, you know so uh, definitely uh, definitely guilty of that myself yeah, yeah and learn that through like the kind of school of hard knocks right yeah mark yeah. dude it's been a blast hanging out with you before we go tell us a little bit about your podcast uh, from the ashes and then tell us where the guys listening can follow you online yeah great so podcast from the ashes is on everything um it's stories of recovery essentially
1: people that have gone through something hard and kind of the meaning and, and recovery they've made from that whether it be drug oh, wow. addiction trauma abuse business failure um, divorce, whatever it is, right? dude. I've and done I like all of those better, stronger. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to get you on. Um, and,
0: and I will be uh, rebranding <laughs> <lot>. it. In... <laughs> Sorry, that's uh, no, good. It's good.
1: Um, I, I will be rebranding it in June to uh, the Men's Therapy Podcast to really focus in on this this men's angle. Um, where to find me is mark azulaycom which is M-A-R-C-A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y.com, Soon to be men's therapy. dot online, which is a lot easier to spell and pitch um, that's true yeah. i'm gonna be rebranding to men's therapy online as i bring on some more employees and expand my team out um our goal is to be kind of the one-stop shop for men's groups um i also offer in-person retreats uh backpacking retreats in the colorado wilderness as well as something called psychodrama which is really intensive
0: psychotherapeutic work um, oh that that sounds like a lot of fun well look man yeah, um there's there's about six weeks until this show airs so you've got time to build that website right now okay yeah yeah by the time by the time this airs that men's therapy online will be there all right we're gonna hold his feet to the flame on that yeah. <laughs> mark buddy it's been a great hour hanging out man thank you so much for coming and giving time to the audience today uh, it's been a real pleasure to interview you thank you thank you so much i appreciate it it was really fun guys that was mark Azale. please do me a favor go visit his website you can see it in the show notes uh hopefully he's got it put out by the time this airs a wonderful uh psychotherapist that helps men to become better by facing their demons uh Thanks to Mark for coming on. Guys, if you've enjoyed the show, please do me a favor, share it out there. You can tag us anywhere at Small Business Surgeon. And uh, remember, the more you share it, the more people get to hear about it and uh, the more we get to grow the show. All right, that's it from me. Uh, you'll be good, stay safe, and tune in this Friday for Friday Fire.